but you know, I live like a really blessed life where I'm yeah. able to like have a, an interesting schedule and go beautiful places mm -hmm. and I get to play play music and make a living mm -hmm. doing it. And I've got healthy kids mm -hmm. and uh, my day to day is pretty great. Yeah. I have a lot of opportunities and I take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. um, I try not to lose sight of the priv the tremendous privilege that I have. Mm -hmm. Well All Podcast was created to explore the human side of the music industry from the perspective of two Appalachian women. In today's episode, I traveled solo south down the country music highway to Prevard, North Carolina to meet up with Travis Book to discuss balance, his experience in the bluegrass and podcast worlds, and to celebrate the recent release of a solo album titled Love and Other Strange Emotions. Travis Book must strategically plan his time. One day, he may be found in Brevard, North Carolina, at a recording of his live podcast. The next, he may be performing with his Grammy-winning band, Infamous String Dusters. There's also a chance you may find him with fellow string duster Andy Falco, playing music of Jerry Garcia, or with Broke Mountain, playing bluegrass music. As of late, Travis has been preparing for the release of his second solo album, Love and Other Strange Emotions. This record was Travis's way of externalizing his feelings in order to process them. Travis artfully scheduled us in and sat down with Bethany to talk about appreciating every day, recognizing privilege, and the various roles musicians play. I can see them from my window. All your projects. <laughs> you got string dusters. Your podcast um it's been around for a couple years now right that was a covid yeah it came out of covid yeah we started doing it it wasn't a podcast initially it was mm -hmm. just like a live stream mm. variety show yeah i sort of invented a format i was doing enough like instagram live and then i realized the gray eagle had the capacity to live stream from the venue um so i sort of tried to kind of invent it was it was definitely very covid specific sort of show mm -hmm. um and then once I'd done those for a, about a year, it dawned on me that that form, it would be easy for me to take that 90 minutes or 110 minutes of show and condense it into a podcast. I already had the content. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was why I sort of launched the podcast. Cool. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that more later. And then your duo with Andy Falco. Playing, um, playing the music of Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, broke um, broke mountain is back. Twentieth anniversary this year, so we're doing shows. We just announced today that we're playing the Rooster Walk Festival. I saw in that. Virginia. Yeah. So that band is back, re-releasing the record. Five. There's five, five of us that yeah. have always been in that band. Robin Davis is the one guy who lives in Colorado and doesn't really play oh, okay. on the national scene, but mm -hmm. he still plays music with his wife and plays mostly locally in oh, Southern great. Colorado and is an incredible musician. Oh, that's awesome. Still, so yeah, that band is back. And then what we're here to celebrate is your upcoming release this week of your solo album. Yeah, my solo album comes out on Friday. That's exciting. It's awesome. Um, I love seeing you talk about it because it is seems emotional, very honest and vulnerable. And you're really poetic. You speak about it in a very poetic way. Got it. So all of these projects, how are you keeping up? How are you surviving? I day day by day yeah and um and i'm learning a lot about um 
what the future will hold for me and my capacity for keeping things in balance. Mm. Um, but, but yes, literally day by day and really detailed schedules mm -hmm. so that I know what I have to do when I have to do it. Mm -hmm. And then I can compartmentalize and get away from it and go to the woods or be with my kids or whatever it is I'm supposed to do then. It yeah. really, being so busy has really helped. Um, it helps bring me into the present because it's so easy to get distracted mm -hmm. that, um, it, it, it makes being present even much more important because there's right. less, there's sort of like less time to waste. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. You're using your time very intentionally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's not a lot of time to just kind of dawdle, but when it is dawdling time, I really dawdle. What do you do? <laughs> How do you dawdle? Um, I, you know, the other day I had this amazing moment. I was, I was hanging out. Um, well, what I, one thing I try to do is I try to schedule what I call zero days. Good. And I always line those up when I can spend time with, with my partner, Corey, mm -hmm. who's amazing. And, and so we'll do a zero day where I try not to do any work and it doesn't mean you don't do anything, but you don't do anything you don't have to do. Mm -hmm. And we'd gotten done with a big long bike ride and we were back at her house and I was just, she'd gone to shower before we made some food together. And I was just sitting on the deck with her dog and I would throw the ball for the dog and then I would just sit, you know, like a, like an 80 year old man on the porch, just yeah. sit. And I, for the first time in years, I was, I was experiencing a state of like, like there was nothing going on in my brain and okay. I was just sitting in the sun and it was a blissful experience. Oh, that's wonderful. So I don't get a chance to just sit and do nothing very often, but, um, but I can see, I caught a glimpse into what it will be like when I can do that more often. And it's beautiful. Oh, I love that. That's great. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're making that time. Um, a lot of people don't, even who aren't as busy as you, don't, don't take that time for themselves. So yeah. to recharge. When I mention the concept of zero day to people, they look at me like I'm insane. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it doesn't. It seems like a really good idea to yeah. me. Um, preserve time to not have to do anything. I'm newly coming into that because I think so many people put their self-worth on productivity. Mm -hmm. um, so that is a new, that is something new within the last couple of years I am trying to do. I haven't called it zero days, but it definitely even taking an evening to not do anything. Even if the house is a little dirty, it's tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. Even in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. To surrender into nothing. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's, but you know, that's all, that's all sort of just part of a larger discussion about balance mm -hmm. and, and achieving balance in your life. And, yeah. and you know, you say your, your point about um, us, us sort of judging ourselves and being judged on our level of product productivity will part of, I'm more productive when I take the time for yeah, myself. Exactly. I can't I can't do it twelve hours a day, day after day after day. Mm -hmm. Uh the productivity drops off, the quality. Yeah. Um, and the enjoyment. Mm -hmm. Uh it drops off. And yeah. so so balancing, um, whatever that means. Yeah. You know, uh, sleeping in or going to the woods mm -hmm. or taking a Full on zero day, yeah. which is like the best. I'll put, those, awesome. I'll put them on the calendar like four months in advance. That's good. I'm like, this Monday is going to be a 
prime day for We're a like zero looking day. forward to it. Like, yeah, I, this is I know and and you know and and I do everything I can to preserve that that mm-hmm. space and try to keep it sacred. Good. You know. That's great. That's a that's a, a great example of what we should be doing for sure. Yeah. Um I'm going to show you a video my daughter and I, Charlotte Jean, who's 7, um have danced quite a bit at the house listening to Earl's music. Um, she had some very persuasive arguments about missing school today oh, to wow. ride down with me. And if it wasn't such a quick trip, I probably would have brought her, but she really wanted to be here. Hey, Travis. I wish I was there. I have two questions. Who inspired you to sing? And what makes you happy? And I really, 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 really like your cover as as it was by Harry Styles. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. Who inspired me to sing and what makes me happy? Both really good questions. Yeah. Um I think singing singing has always been a part of my life because growing up both my parents would sing mm. we'd sing in church they'd sing after i go to bed they would sing together and they would play gigs together and yeah. sing um and my mom was in rock bands growing up like a local cover band that would play the bar every weekend or play weddings that kind of thing so and then and then on sunday we'd go to church and we'd sing hymns mm-hmm. and my we'd, we'd all like from a young age, we, you know, my parents would teach me to switch parts, mm-hmm. you know, as my range changed, I would be able to sing more parts and my mom could sing, you know, two or three different parts and my dad could sing. So we'd be reading the hymnal and singing songs. Um, so I really, I get that from my, from my family, from my parents, mm-hmm. I think. And from early on, singing was just a natural thing that I did. Mm-hmm. And it's like something that I've always done. Yeah. I've always sung mm-hmm. and I feel really, really grateful for that mm-hmm. i'm lucky that when i when i open my mouth to sing usually stuff comes out that is at least somewhat pleasing to, <laughs> yeah. to my ear so or to told. someone else's yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean you know when i when i sing people don't run away right. so that's <laughs> yeah. great and i've sort of built a career on that it's yeah. been really um really helpful i didn't like do any formal training and i don't do any formal training i just mm-hmm. I just sing. I'm really lucky that I can sing. I yeah. hope some people can't. And then it's, yeah. can't imagine what that would be. Oh, shoot. <laughs> and then her, the other question was, what makes me happy? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because that's, that's a question I ask people mm-hmm. on my podcast. And, um, and I haven't prepared a very good answer <laughs> myself. But um, there are so many things that make me happy. Um, you know, a moment, a moment of peace. Uh, a moment of like real honest intimacy with my kids, mm-hmm. you know, um, that, that it's like, it, I, I'm about to say moment again. I think it like it, happiness tends to come in these little like tiny bursts mm-hmm. of like realization, mm-hmm. like here, like here I am. And this is really this, this moment of life is like extremely juicy mm-hmm. to use a word my friend uses like that to me is what makes me the most happy experiencing mm-hmm. like the experiencing something on like the 
appreciating the moment on the deepest level mm -hmm. is when like the most happiness arises. Like, yeah. I was riding my bike today and I ran into a bunch of people on the trail. I never ride with other people, but I ran into this group of dudes. And so, of course, we were riding way harder than I would have wanted to either. Anyway, uh, otherwise, because that's what guys do mm -hmm. when they get together, you know. And finally, I was like, I'm, I, I don't want to ride this fast. And so I slowed down and then a few minutes later, we kind of came around the corner and the light changed and the leaves popped. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, you know, I'd had my head down and I was so focused on trying not to blow up. And then boom, this explosion of color. Like those moments are the things that make me the happiest. Mm -hmm. When I am most intimately entwined with the experience that I'm having. Mm -hmm. um, your new, so your solo album, you've had a solo album before. I put out a record like a decade ago. Yeah. It was called Alice and it was like mm -hmm. a tribute to my mentor, Benny mm -hmm. Galloway. And it was a bunch of songs that we'd either written together or that he taught me. And it was just me playing guitar. It was all just, just guitar and voice. Mm -hmm. um, it was just sort of something to make. I was, I was playing a lot of solo shows then trying to make ends meet because mm -hmm. we were having our first kid. And, um, and so I just sort of made it. Mm -hmm. um, but that, what I've made this time is my first like real effort toward a real record mm -hmm. with other people and with production and mixing mm -hmm. and all of those things, mm -hmm. you know? So it, feel, it feels like my first. And, it, and it's titled Love and Strange and Other Strange Emotions. So hearing you talk about being intentional, being in the present moment, um, have you always been this in tune with your emotions as a child? Were you like super sensitive or did you have some grand awakening that you're like, this is, I need to, I don't know, a spiritual awakening of some sort? I don't, I don't know when exact, I don't know. I, I think as a kid, I may have had some sensitivity, some awareness, but probably not. I think mm -hmm. it, there was, there's sort of been a, a period of, of, there, ha, there hasn't, there's not, I have not yet experienced like a grand awakening moment. Mm -hmm. And I've actually even kind of given up on that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a period of time where um, I kind of turned a corner and began to have some real powerful realizations about the nature of reality, mm -hmm. um, at least from my perspective, mm -hmm. my reality, which could be considered sort of the beginning of sort of an awakening process. And, and that involves sort of heading down a little bit of like a, a sort of spirituality wormhole, mm -hmm. a lot of reading, um, music was, was, was hitting me differently. Um, and I was having a, a lot and I got, I got pretty, things got pretty light for a little while. Like I got pretty light and I was thinking there was a chance I was like, maybe, <laughs> I mean, this is going to sound silly. I was like, I wonder if I'm going to achieve enlightenment in this lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, things were getting pretty light. Yeah. My, my being was, I, I was, I mean, there was like rainbows shooting out of my eyes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was really in it for yeah. this brief period of time. Um, and then of course that, that comes, that comes to an end, 
you know, and then and then there's a period of like trying to recapture that yeah. feeling, you know. Um, and then finally, I realized I was like, okay, I'm not going to get free in this lifetime, and that's totally cool. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to drop all my neuroses. I'm not going to transcend all these things, and which was also kind of a relief because there was a real period of time there where I thought, well, are all these things that matter so much to me, um, are they all going to lose? There, I mean, you know, it's because everything I was reading was that, you know, when you're a full, once, when you're becoming a fully cooked being, all the stuff that has ordered your universe, all the things that have mattered to you, all that stuff falls away. Detached, detached. And there's like yeah. this, yeah, there's like this big, like, it's almost like a traumatic experience of yeah. sort of like losing yourself. And, mm -hmm. and, 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 and as will happen, I was like, part of me was still like holding on really yeah. tightly to that. Mm -hmm. Who am I going to be once I've done this? Are, are, is any of this going to matter to me? Mm -hmm. Then I realized it, it wasn't going to happen. And, and so there was this, there was a sense of loss where I was like, oh, that's, that's too bad. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to become um, fully enlightened in this lifetime. But then there was also a huge sense of relief, which was like, okay, I, well, I can still, I can still care about these things that I care about, you mm -hmm. know, even if I know on one level, they're all trivial yeah. and meaningless, at least I won't come totally unmoored in this mm -hmm. lifetime. What was the question? <laughs> um, okay, I, I'm, I'm bringing this back. So, so once I got once I got through that, one of the byproducts of that though was gaining a lot of awareness about um, about the difference between who who I am and myself and and um, and my mind mm -hmm. and the phenomena that was happening in my mind. Mm -hmm. of like thoughts and emotions and becoming less attached to them mm -hmm. and um and it's incredibly frustrating still how caught up i get in the the things that are going on in my head yeah. and i know that it's not real and mm -hmm. i but i still get caught up in them and and associate really heavily with them and emotions in particular are really um fascinating and kind of annoying and troublesome um and 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 falling in love again and 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 going through all of that has really exposed a lot of this stuff for me yeah these emotional states whatever they are uh jealousy is a particularly mm -hmm. uh sticky one and really uncomfortable mm -hmm. um and and so so, you know, working on this record, writing, writing music, things are coming out, ideas are coming out and, and trying to figure out what to call this record. That was just something that sort of popped into my head one night when I was hanging out with my girlfriend, trying to decide what I was going to call this record. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, because love, love is, is like, love is like the mother of emotions mm -hmm. and the mother of reality and love is like everything, but it's also as an emotional state, it's very, it's very strange. Mm -hmm. And emotions in general are, I think that they're just strange. Yeah. They're kind of weird, you know? And which ones are acceptable or like, you know, jealousy isn't acceptable, but it's real. It's a real feeling. And how do you deal with that in a healthy way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really great point. It's like so many of these, acceptable is a great way to look at it. Like as a, as a culture, it's, okay to feel some things and less okay to feel other things but like let alone talk about them and write songs about them so <laughs> yeah yes. so like i don't i feel like i don't have any control over this stuff 
Yeah. And it and that's the part that's like incredibly frustrating, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I realized like a lot of the songs, a lot of the songs that talk about, you know, talk about love. And I'm not like I don't usually really write. I'm not like an emo writer. I don't really like write about that kind of stuff. I didn't think, but mm-hmm. then like the proof is in the pudding. I started to look at what these songs were all about, and it was like, yeah, you know, navigating these states of being, love mm-hmm. and 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 other emotions, and how strange they yeah. all are, you know. Mm-hmm. How, um, for the songs that you've recently have written for this album, because some songs are over 20 years old, correct? Yeah. Um, how was the writing different than what you do with the String Dusters? Um, f- from a functional standpoint, not, not really much different. Mm-hmm. Um, writing, writing songs and making up songs sometimes is very much like sort of like trying to capture lightning in a bottle like it, it there's like a moment of inspiration and then trying to follow it while it unfolds mm-hmm. to its conclusion and then only then once the song is sort of complete do i really know if it's going to be useful in mm-hmm. any context in which i make music mm-hmm. you know so there are songs i've written that i don't know that they'll ever find a home yeah. For whatever reason, stylistically right. or whatever. But I try not to, I try to stay out of the way while they're happening. Because if I get caught up in like, well, this, I want this to be a string duster song, or I want this to be mm-hmm. for this project, or mm-hmm. this is to this, or this is to that. Well, then it just, it just puts the brakes on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just trying to let it Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, so from a functional standpoint, the songs that I wrote by myself that came out on this record are the result of, of just the ongoing process of trying to be open mm-hmm. to the universe and capture any decent idea that's coming out and then help pile it up and make it into something. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and then, and then, um, and then it's like, well, this, yeah, this will work great for this. And that's part of the process of going back in the catalog. And being like, oh, yeah, that song would actually work really well mm-hmm. for this. But then also, like, the ensemble existed sort of before the record. And, and the, this group of musicians and the style, style of music that we started playing together. And then that also sort of inspired some of these songs, mm-hmm. you know, because I would mm-hmm. take the electric guitar on tour instead of the acoustic guitar. And mm-hmm. I would be playing in headphones and playing like rock riffs and power chords and being like, oh yeah, this is, and then something comes out and again, same thing. As soon as it comes out, it's like, follow it. Yeah. And stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. Who are the musicians you brought on for the album? Uh, Jeff Sight mm-hmm. is the drummer and he's been around forever and has played with everybody. Um, world-class musician. Uh, Mike Ashworth, who plays in the Steep Canyon Rangers, he plays drums and dobro and guitar and a little bit of bass in the Steeps. He's the electric bass player on the record. He's amazing. Tommy Marr plays lap steel. Daniel Seraph plays electric guitar. And uh, Derek Gardner plays the keys. And those are all guys who live in the area. Lindsay Liu, who lives in Nashville, she sings some harmonies on there. That's amazing. What an amazing community. That's great. Yeah, I mean, that's something Brevard has. We punch way above our weight mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, of great musicians here. I mean, we have world-class, there's so many world-class musicians that live in this tiny town. And that's, 
partly what enables me to put a different band on stage every week at my local gig and have it be awesome. Yeah. I'm never having to scrape the no. bottom of the barrel. Everybody They're I play all with stars. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's probably 25 killer musicians here in town. Um, and we're really lucky, mm -hmm. really lucky in this, in this little community. You've released two songs off the album. Yeah. Reminds me of you, which is a beautiful, I think just a beautiful fall love song. Even the tempo of it's very, you know, perfect. And then um, Afraid of Love. I want to talk about Afraid of Love and maybe your emotions around that and why new love was so scary. You know, I've been in a relationship and been married for like a decade. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, getting getting out of that and gaining some perspective and knowing that I had work to do to not repeat the same patterns, not find myself in a similar situation. And then, you know, I was like, I was like, right, I was kind of like right in the middle of this, of that process of like emptying out and sort of like preparing myself for whatever was next. And I wasn't done with that process when um, I got involved with someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's sort of what that song is about, is that struggle of being like, I'm not really equipped yet to do this again. This is like a little soon. I could really, it's like, I'm, it's like I could really use another 12 months of being like depressed and yeah. really like, like, really like I need to be down in the, uh -huh. I don't want you to have to put an explicit lyric caveat on this. <laughs> so I'm going to try, I'm going to try to keep it, but like, like down in the, in the, in the junk, yeah. like going through the stuff because mm -hmm. I was in it and I was depressed and, mm -hmm. but I was like, you know, I had enough awareness, like Ram Dass says, it's like, I was like, I was like, oh, depression, how interesting. Not like, oh, I'm depressed. Yeah, oh my God, right. I, I'm like, oh, I'm so identified with my depression. It was <laughs> yeah. more like, yeah, this is me, this is me being depressed. And, and it's kind of fun in a sense, because I understand it's like part of this process. I was like really down and really like in it. And, and then like all of a sudden, like things shift and I'm falling in love again and, and the world is so bright, but I'm like, well, am, am I going to get hooked on you know, like, if this person is the answer to this problem, well, then I'm going to be hooked on this person. Am I going to mm -hmm. be further dependent on them? What happens if this ends? And is this is this partly just a response to not wanting to feel bad anymore? You know, it's so complicated. Mm -hmm. Again, like, I felt like mm -hmm. I just had a little more work to do. But at the end of the day, I kind of had to ask myself, it was like, well, is this am I willing to pass up this opportunity mm -hmm. with this person? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. Yeah. Cause this is the kind of person that if I could have written the script. This is who I would want to be with. Mm -hmm. um, other than me not feeling ready for it, the conditions and the terms were ideal, Yeah. you know, but mm -hmm. there was definitely that sort of underlying fear of just like, well, I'm just not quite, I mean, it seems so cliche. I'm not ready for this, but like, I literally was like, I was like, I got other things I need to, work on i need another mm -hmm. like six to 12 months of yeah. this phase yeah and i didn't want part of me didn't want to cut that phase short 
Um, but you know, that fear of like, well, will I, will I, will I be enough in this relationship? And can I maintain enough of myself, you know, cause anytime you're in a relationship, there's some surrendering of your own identity. Mm -hmm. You're trying to harmonize. Like, am I, it was just, that's, that's really kind of what that's about. And that you don't even see, um, men talking about it the way you do, like emotions the way you do. So that's great. Like, thank you for that. You're welcome. Robert Ellis hmm. um, has an amazing record. There's a song called um, it's an Elephant. There's an Elephant in the Room. It's the, the way he talks about, about a relationship coming to an end, um, the, uh, the emotional honesty was something I'd never, I'd never heard another male mm -hmm. express it that well. Mm -hmm. And it was really inspiring. Mm -hmm. Another one is, um, he's just like, he's talking about just, driving around the block. I guess I'll, like, I'll fold the I'll organize the, he's like, he doesn't want to go upstairs to reconcile with this. Mm -hmm. So he's just waiting for her to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So like, I guess I'll fold the laundry, mm -hmm. empty out the junk drawer. Mm -hmm. Thank. I guess I'll just go driving. Yeah. And, um, amazing, amazing. And that hearing, hearing that was, was like, it, that was inspiring. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Robert Ellis is awesome. Your album comes out Friday? Comes out Friday. Friday. Are you, you're having an album release? I am, but not until next month. Oh, next month. Okay. So that's yeah, as soon as we, we yeah. could get the whole band together. Mm -hmm. And also the soonest that I could handle it oh, yeah. with my schedule. Mm -hmm. um, it would have been fun to have done it on Friday, uh, but it's just not. It wasn't in the cards. Yeah. So the record, it'll be, it'll be great. The record will be out for a month. Yeah. And people can know it before we go play it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm looking forward to that show. It's going to be great. Do you have a favorite song on the record? I mean, in terms of 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 my my favorite song, it pro probably one of the one of the first two singles reminds mm -hmm. me of you or Afraid of Love or my yeah. favorite songs. I mm -hmm. think on the record, um, but in terms of like the production and the performance, the the track it's they call it the focus track. It's sort of like the third single that they. The label steers people toward on release day is a song called "Without You," and that's like uh, the production on it is incredible. It almost sounds like a, like a Pink Floyd oh, cool. song. So, in in terms of like the record and the way it sounds, "Without You" is probably my favorite mm -hmm. song on there. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a hard one. A lot of those, all the tunes on there are really um, they all they all mean a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about your podcast. Okay. Um, you said earlier just about having all these wonderful, great all stars. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I want to also um bring a little light to the variety of people that come on your show, and I was curious if that's intentional or you're just like that's a really great musician, and I'm gonna have them. Um, it seems like intentional who who's coming. It's, it's very intentional it, early on, especially during the pandemic, it was just kind of like, who do I know mm -hmm. that wants to make some music, mm -hmm. wants to do something? Cause no one was doing anything. Um, but I certainly am sort of seeing now that the podcast is over time, it will essentially be sort of like an extension of, it'll be a body of work in, in and mm -hmm. of itself. And an extension of, of 
I mean, it's, it's something that I'm making and putting into the world. Mm -hmm. It'll be part of all, you know, once, once I'm done making things, it'll be part of all the things that I've done and the connections and, that I've made through that. The amount, the people I've gotten to play music with has been really amazing. And I, I'm there, there, there's no shortage of like middle-aged white dudes who play bluegrass that mm -hmm. I can have on my show. I'm going to have one on there today <laughs> there there. And part of that is because there's so many of them. Yeah. Part of that is because that's what I am. Yeah. And those are the circles I run in. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm uh, sort of always looking for um, female, more, more, fe more opportunities to have, have female, artists on there um people that are not white yeah um or non-binary mm -hmm. um there are and that's it's it's for all the reasons it's mm -hmm. it's more interesting yeah for me mm -hmm. um i think it makes i think that there are there are voices that deserve amplification mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of why I do it is to open my own mind, mm -hmm. expand my own world. Mm -hmm. Um, and while it's nice to, to hit home runs and do the stuff that's easy, like, you know, this tonight we'll record an episode with Andy Thorne and John Stickley, who I've known for 20 years mm -hmm. and they're like my best friends. That's going to be amazing, mm -hmm. but also getting really far outside my comfort zone and having to learn music that's really different for me and, and find common ground mm -hmm. with, with people that um, come from different backgrounds and play different kinds of music. That is, it's, it's, it's good for me and it's good for the world to yeah. try to draw these different connections, but it's, um, it's, it can be hard trying to, uh, trying to coordinate schedules. And with, with my podcast, it's really, one of the things that makes it unique is that it's, it's a, there's a collaborative performance aspect. Mm -hmm. So um, getting someone to, to have a conversation um, is different than getting someone to come to Brevard to play music with me. Yeah, It's kind of a big ask. Yeah. Um, and, and my friends say yes, because they know mm -hmm. that it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, when I'm trying to get like, you know, like I want like, like Bella White to come yeah. play, you know? Uh, and like, I can't even get in touch with her because yeah. she doesn't know me from Adam and yeah. I don't blame her. She's so cool. And then, yeah. and then, and then, you know, then there's like, then there's like, you know, like Molly Tuttle, who's like mm -hmm. a good friend of mine. We played together, but you know, she's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's really complicated trying to fit the pieces together yeah. for guests for my podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm experimenting some with, with doing more of a traditional format like this. that's just conversational so that I can have, for example, I can have someone who's like a bass player. Yeah. Cause yeah. like, you know, if it's like, what are Sam Grisman and I going to do? We can't both play bass at the same time. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, uh, but that's, it's, that's the long answer to your question, which yeah. is that, yes, it, it is, it is intentional. And I'm trying to, um, I've learned a lot about my own musical limitations because my musical world is, is 
is relatively small, mm-hmm. you know? And like we, I was on tour like of the Grammy voting. We just got done voting for the Grammys and you have to choose these categories that you can vote in. And, and, you know, there's really only like one category. It's like the country and Americana and bluegrass category is really, I feel like, I think I've got a pretty broad musical world, but then I come to realize that I'm only really even qualified to vote in this tiny sliver mm-hmm. of yes. what all the things that the Grammys covers, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of funny to me. To be like, oh, I guess, you know, I really do just kind of play in this one world. Um, but yeah, it's intentional, trying to see how far I can expand my musical world. That's great. I wanted to recognize that and say, good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I know I need to do better. And that's partly what, one of the great things about working with the Bluegrass situation is that they are leaders in mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, in amplifying um, a variety of voices mm-hmm. and, and making sure that all, all Americana is represented mm-hmm. um, and they're great, great partners mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone you want to play with that you have yet to play with? Oh yeah. Like, oh, There's probably like 500 people. Really? Because you've you played with see my so list. many people. Oh my God, you should see my list of, of, of artists. I mean, um, I mean, there's all these like pie in the sky musicians like, um, like Madison Cunningham would be amazing. Um, even people like, like, like Bruce Coburn, um, you know, uh, but, but then even inside, you know, more sort of inside of, of our musical wheelhouse. I mean, um, I'd love to, I've sung with Sierra Farrell, but I'd love to play with her a little more. Mm -hmm. I know her band really well. We hang out all the time. Mm -hmm. I'd love to play with her. Um, I've got, I've got like a working list of musicians that I would love to have, um, on the podcast, which by extension means get to play with. Yeah, and right. it's, um, and it's huge and yeah, it's growing right. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah. yeah. But I've, but I've also ticked a bunch off, you know, I was able to play with Tim O'Brien, which was great. Yeah. And, um, and the Jim Lauderdale episode mm-hmm. was really awesome. Right, yeah. Um, I'm hoping to have Daryl Scott sometime oh, cool. in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the list is massive, mm-hmm. but my intention is to keep doing this mm-hmm. and by the time I'm done to have, played with everyone mm-hmm. that I possibly could have. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do about 10, I can probably do about 10 episodes a year mm-hmm. is about my maximum. Um, so, you know, if I can do this for 20 years, <laughs> this, the math is pretty simple. It's like about another 200 episodes that I can yeah. maybe do. I love that. I love, you're like maxing all opportunities, just life maxing opportunities. Yeah. I know so many people <laughs> who don't do that and it's, so frustrating as a human being to be like there are no limits we the box you've put around you does not exist yeah you could be doing anything yeah. with anyone yeah and we only live once that we know of true yeah so you know and every day is like every day is a gift yeah and and when i'm when i'm in a good headspace i wake up and i feel like like i'll have these days where i'm like today is like ripe with possibility and mm-hmm. potential Mm-hmm. anything could happen mm-hmm. and and what can be done today yeah you know um it's like the the world the world is magical and there's so much there's so much to do and mm-hmm. so many things to see exactly yeah so many things to feel and mm-hmm. um and it's and it's awesome mm-hmm. and i try to surround myself with people who have a similar attitude like, right yeah 
what's the coolest, what's the best way that we could approach today? Yeah. What's the coolest thing that we could do? Mm -hmm. And I'm learning sometimes that is like sitting right here outside mm -hmm. and just zoning out mm -hmm. and looking, watching the goats walk around the field. Sometimes that is really the best thing to do. You yeah. know, I'm learning that it's not always like, we're gonna go to the mountains and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna have a delicious meal and then yeah. the next thing and then if this isn't if it, like this is great so let's make this better and then we're gonna you know it doesn't always have to be like that mm -hmm. um but i i definitely like i i try to pack it in yeah i love i love life it's mm -hmm. fun oh yeah if anyone if you haven't heard the string dusters or seen travis on stage you're like light just a big ball of light and always smiling I don't know how it's so sustainable, but I guess you're doing what you love, which helps quite a bit, but. It's fun out there. Yeah, that's awesome. It's fun out there. Yeah. I really, I really enjoy, I enjoy it. I love playing music and um, I love, I love, I love, I love everything. Our, our banjo player and I, we have a, we have a saying, it's like this joke. Um, but when you're hitting, when you're firing on all cylinders, we say, name a thing, name <laughs> a thing, meaning. I love everything. Name name a thing, and I'll tell you how much I love it. And that's the game we'll play. And we'll name all this, you know. And the the joke is, you name all these undesirable things, and the guy's just like genuinely like, I love that. Yeah. I love everything about it. You know, name a thing. I mean, it's just it's a yeah. Life is fascinating. I'm mm -hmm. I'm also like you know I live like a really blessed life where I'm yeah. able to like have a, an interesting schedule and go beautiful places, mm -hmm. and I get to play play music and make a living mm -hmm. doing it. And I've got healthy kids mm -hmm. and, um, and my day to day is pretty great. Yeah. I have a lot of opportunities and I take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. um, I try not to lose sight of the the tremendous privilege that I have being, um, you know, a, a, a white male raised in a middle class family and mm -hmm. I was able to get some amount of college education. Mm -hmm. I could have had as much as I needed. Mm -hmm. um, and um you know it's it's a relatively speaking it's a pretty easy path mm -hmm. for a guy like me um i just like i just smile and put out a good vibe and doors tend to open and it's not that way for everybody sure um uh you know just by virtue of of you know my just the what i would the world i was born into yeah you know yeah. um but I doesn't mean I'm not going to take full advantage of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I say yes, and the world says the universe says yes back, and we're out here just loving life. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot about myself when we entered the pandemic, mm. and about a, about six months into it, I I sort of realized my response was so different. Than a lot of my peers and instead of um becoming withdrawn and going on unemployment mm -hmm. and waiting for something to happen i did like i just went into like full almost like service mode mm -hmm. where i realized by going on instagram live and feedback i was getting that there was this real need um, for people to be to be to to be spoken to or, or for someone to try to bring people together and meet people on their own terms, go into their homes and try to connect with them. And then I also realized that there was 
And I was lucky to have the Gray Eagle where we could live stream. And then this venue, King Street here in mm -hmm. Brevard, where we can roll up the back door and everyone would wear masks and you'd sit outside or you could sit inside. We're, I mean, we're, great, we yeah. started putting on shows in, in July of 2020. Mm -hmm. And like, it was more of a mentality of like, all right, well, here we are. Well, what can, what can, what can be done mm -hmm. instead of like, well, what's going to be done for me? Mm. And I don't want to sound critical of other people's responses. Every response to the pandemic was totally reasonable. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I had this great conversation with, with Anders and, and I still have the quote that we came up with um, pinned to my wall, something about like, you know, your, 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 your fears are, are founded, mm. you know, um, and, and, it, and it's, it's okay for you to feel however you feel. Um, however, um, you know, some people, we all responded really differently mm -hmm. and, 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 and I went to work Yeah. and I feel really good about that. And mm -hmm. I still have people come up to me and talk to me about how much those early happy hours meant to them mm -hmm. when we were all wondering what was going to happen. We were right. all disconnected. We were yeah. all inside mm -hmm. on our computer screens and, um, and all everything that's sort of come this record, the podcast, um, even even the side projects, um, all, almost everything that's come since the pandemic that isn't string dusters related. None of that would have happened if it weren't for the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really I lo I locked out and had the context in which to grow and continue to serve and fill a role and try to do something yeah i like to i i do things mm -hmm. and um and that's i've always been that way mm -hmm. and i hope and that's what i'm trying to hopefully pass on to my children is a sense of agency yeah where you know you can wait for opportunities or you can make them yeah and um there's infinite potential out there mm -hmm. and there are always there's always a need yeah. to be filled Mm -hmm. um, and so figuring out what that need is, is where that's where opportunity lies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really insightful. And um, even the obligation, you know, there's a fine line between, I don't know, I would never switch jobs with you, but uh, the obligation of musician to interact with the public and the public wanting or, you know, feeling the obligation that you should do that. And um not that you're very accessible, but you, I mean, it's very, you know, it's very um, clear that you are fulfilling that obligation, um, especially during those times. I remember that when the happy hour was getting started. Um, yeah, that's just, that part, that part can be a struggle, you know, um, I, I never really feel like I'm giving enough of mm. myself, at least on like a, on like a physical level like it's e it's easy enough to like make music put on shows that kind of thing but that that next level connection um going to the audience after the show or even just like you'll see it tonight you know after the show at king street like i'm on stage i haven't even wrapped up my cables and people are coming up mm -hmm. and wanting um wanting to talk mm -hmm. and they're mostly wanting to just tell me how awesome I yeah, am. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I should be all about it. You know? right. On the other hand, there's part of me that's like, you know, I just, I just went into this space 
I just went into this place and did this thing for you for 90 minutes. And yeah. if, if I had it my way, and this is what happens with the string dusters, you I walk off stage and, 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 and then I can sort of like hide yeah. and, and reset and just chill. But, mm -hmm. but what I think what the, the really special musicians and the really special creators or the sort of next level humans, like, like the Willie Nelsons of the world, will go off stage and like right back out mm. and make themselves available on a really personal level with the audience. And that's something along with remembering people's names. That's like one of the things that I would really, I, I wish it was easier for me mm -hmm. to be able to just go just sort of like an extension of the, of the service of making the music and putting on the shows than to be able to make myself even more available. But it's hard because, you know, I have to, some amount, some some part of me has to be for me. It well, has yeah, to be preserved yeah. for me. Uh, when you're on stage and just like what, what you're doing with the string dusters, and I imagine with Broke Mountain, I mean, you're up there for so long, you're in a mental state and you're going through multiple mental states, probably. I can't even imagine what would be needed to come down to even have conversation. you know, people's in your face wanting to have certain conversations and you're still, you haven't gotten out of there yet. Um, is that true? No, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. It's like a totally different role. Mm -hmm. And, and that's in everything I do, everything I do in my life, whether it's father, musician, entertainer, parent, interviewer, it's all me. Mm -hmm. But, on one level, but on another level, those are all roles that I'm playing and they all demand a different approach mm -hmm. and even a different vibrational frequency, mm -hmm. you know, which can make it hard to parent while I'm also a string investor mm -hmm. or even to be like, to be a partner while I'm being a parent. Mm -hmm. Even that has its mm -hmm. own challenges mm -hmm. because the roles are slightly different. Um, and so, you know, yes, and, and, and being on stage when that's, when I'm really embodying that role completely, it's pretty far away from um, the others. Yeah. And, and not in a way where it's like an act and I'm disingenuous. It's all me. Yeah. But it's these really kind of different versions of me that require different, uh, just a whole, it's a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. and, and the deeper it gets on stage, the further away it gets from these other roles. Yeah. So yes, sometimes it can be, it can, it's, it, it can be hard to flip that switch, but I, I wish it was easier to just go straight from the stage right out into the audience and to be able to be available. Because, you know, those interactions with fans, it's so, it's, it's a fascinating dynamic to me because it's, it's really not about, I mean, when, when I'm doing that the best, I'm essentially, it's not really about me. It's like, I'm like a, I'm like a space for them. And, and like, as a, a fan doesn't even really know me, right. it's mostly like a projection on me of who they want me to mm -hmm. be, which is mm -hmm. totally cool. Mm -hmm. And I'm all about that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm way into it. Um, but to, to sort of go out and even like have a have a one on one interaction with a fan, mm -hmm. they're all so different mm -hmm. and everybody wants a different thing. Some people want to just tell me all about 
sometimes people want to tell me all about something that's completely unrelated to anything. <laughs> and to be able to be there for that and to be like, oh yeah, that's so interesting. Your your uncle is a is a, a you know is like a, a farmer. That's so fascinating, you know. Yeah. To where or or like or you know they want to tell me how great I am, which is like not. Well, that's nice. It's not a very comfortable place to be. Yeah. Someone's sort of fawning over you. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, that's, I'm glad. That, you know. So it's like this, um, it's, it's like these, this whole projective experience, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. I'm there for it. And I sometimes leave in my mantra before I go on stage is like, I just want to be able to be here, whether people want to love me or hate me or whatever, whatever I need to be for everyone in that audience, let me be that for mm -hmm. them. Because that's kind of the ideal space mm -hmm. for everyone to have their sort of needs met mm -hmm. in their own projective system, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever they need me and my bandmates to be, we can be that for them. Mm -hmm. That's when it's really happening. But then when you get out there on like the individual level and you're having these face-to-face -face conversations, it's, it can be wild yeah. out there sort of seeing and navigating that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and um, it's, it's, and it can be challenging. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. a lot easier to just walk off stage and go back to the green room and chill with your bandmates and be like, yeah, yeah. that was cool. Yeah, right. You know, so anyway, and go back to talking about what other mundane stuff we were talking about before the show. Yeah. You know, just to kind of clear the air. But ideally, we can, we, you know, get out there and interact. Mm -hmm. That's thoughtful. I mean, that's more than just a musician. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's sort of... Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for welcoming me. That was cool. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of the Well Law Podcast. Give love and other strange emotions a listen. I hope you catch one of the many opportunities to see Travis live. You can tune into his podcast, The Travis Book Happy Hour, to be introduced to phenomenal musicians. After my conversation with Travis, I was fortunate to meet up with a friend to attend the Travis Book Happy Hour. There, I was blessed to see Andy Thorne and John Stickley play and to hear about their fascinating stories from high school and college and meeting Travis and Honors Beck in Colorado over two decades ago. For the latest updates of the Well Law Podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram. Support your local musicians and venues and happy listening. This last clip is from my night at the Travis Book Happy Hour. <laughs>